Well, there he is. Ding dong. Bingo. I was wondering if anybody was going to show up today. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah, you're moving badly. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got you loud and clear. Uh, well, what do you know, Brother Jack? <clears throat> well, I know it's been a good week <laughs> so far. <laughs> oh, it's been busy. It's, so it's it, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh -huh. A lot quieter than it was last week. Mm. Think it was crazy last week. I wasn't sure I was going to make it through that one. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything going down there? Been climbing any more mountains? No, just that. Uh, no, uh -uh, just that one in Tepoztlan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how were the meetings this week? Really good. Yeah, I had the Saturday, uh, basically wound up being about seven hours or so worth of course stuff. Really? Yeah, about three hours of class. And then a guy at the class, he and I, they came over the house. We had coffee and uh, guacamole and talked to another three or four hours. and. Was this some some people down there that you know or what? Yeah, at the at the Course of Miracle classes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he's a he's kind of an interesting guy. He's born in Africa and then um, moved over. His family moved over the states when he was a teenager, and then then he moved down here and married a girl and got a has a child and a stepchild. And he, uh, well, hello, Tony. How are you doing? Well, Tony, how are you? Can you hear us? Hey, hello. Can you hear me? I can. We, we can. can hear you. I'm Reverend Kelly today. Don't I look like her? Yes. <laughs> I know the hormones have been kicking in lately, so yeah. <laughs> the, gl the glasses kind of fooled us. <laughs> Reverend Kelly has a dental appointment this morning that she needed to take. Uh, otherwise, she would have to wait for weeks and weeks, and so she asked me to do her class. And and today is her birthday, so you should all wish her a happy birthday. Okay, I was looking forward to doing that, but I'll have to use you as an intermediary, I guess. <laughs> and um, also, she gave a uh, she gave a talk this Sunday at the CMC Sunday gathering, and she talked a lot about her birthday. It's really, I thought she was fabulous. And um, I saw that. You, you should all uh, check it out. In fact, I should get the link. There's Susan. Oh, I saw it myself. I saw Hi, it this morning. Hi, Reverend Tony. I'm Reverend Kelly today because Reverend yeah, Kelly. You're looking really different. <laughs> Happy birthday, Reverend <laughs> Kelly. Because Reverend Kelly has a dental appointment. Oh, wow. I've got one right after this. This morning. Okay. They I'll see if I can find the link, and I can just put it in the... Uh, oh. It's her birthday today, isn't it? Today is her birthday. I yeah. believe she is, she is a, a 44 years old today. Wow. It's just a spring chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she's one of our youngins. 
Let me see if I can if I can do this. Sorry about that. There we go. Okay, let's see. Hey Nathan, how you doing? Hi Jack. Good morning, Susan. I don't have administrative functions. I'm just like a participant. Hmm. Well, that. Uh, Do you not okay, use well, don't, don't get out of line, or we'll have to scold. You. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I should be signed in as an admin, not as a. I did something wrong. Do you not usually use Zoom? Hold on. Let's see if I can do this right. We'll take just a moment. Well, we can still hear you, so it works. Yeah. It's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, it works. It's you're you're you look just like Kelly does. I mean, on screen and stuff. Yeah. It's I can't. There's certain functions I can't control. I should be able to control certain things, and I can't. Hold on, just a minute. Let me, I'm going to see if I can figure this out. Your ego trying to control things, you know. Yes, that's it. Well, you know, it's, it's tough to let go of that control. <laughs> How's Mexico treating you, Nathan? Really good. And. Um... My son and his family coming down uh, Friday or week. So. Friday, okay. For some reason, I thought they were coming yesterday. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought. Okay, I'm going to log out and try to log back in. I'll just try this once. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Okay. All right. Yeah, that'll be nice, Nathan. Did you guys go to class on Sunday with Elizabeth and all? Yeah. How was yeah. it? Wonderful as always. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. I'm looking forward to getting back up there next month. I'll, I'll be there shortly. Uh, next a few month? Weeks. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Coming back next month. Yeah, I'm going to come back. Uh, coming back a little early, I think. It just, uh, I think so. Yeah, these grandkids are probably going to suck me in more and more. <laughs> is that why you think you'll go back? I mean, is that. That's yeah, I think so. It's just uh, that's great. Uh, making my life into a right turn, you know. Yeah. They make everything just so pure and easy and fun. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. If I had my old will, I'd I'd be down here for some more months. But everything's falling away. It's just really. Yeah, dissolving, and so. Wow, it's, interesting. It is. It's fascinating. What's, what's falling away? All, all the value I put on the valueless world, you know, and uh, uh, which is much, and it just seemed like it, it feels like it's just like swirling down a down a sink, you know, a tube, and uh, yeah. it just. Nothing to hold on to. It's like, I, I know I asked for it, you know, <laughs> but be careful what you ask for. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you had your place there in Mexico? Oh, 17 years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Mm -hmm. You think you could wrap it up someday and not live there anymore at all? No, no. This is this will go to my son and the grandkids. Okay. You know, and, uh, That's nice. Uh, That's good. Uh, Wow. How about your grandkids? How are they doing? Fantastic. I'm just missing them terribly. 
So, uh, just waiting to get, you know, waiting for my getaway, my next getaway. Get your hands on them again, yeah. Yeah, I go down to Austin. Um, they just got back from Rhode Island from all summer. So as soon as they get settled in and the kids go back to school, I'll get on down there. And mm -hmm. then end of September, I'll go back to California. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Don't hear you. If you can hear us, there's no volume, Tony. Mm. Don't hear you. Okay. Oh, there I you got are. Reverend Kelly on the phone. Let's all sing happy birthday to her. Okay, one, <laughs> two, three. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. It's hard for them to all sing happy birthday at the same time, Reverend Kelly, but they were giving it the best shot they could. Oh, have the best day, Kelly. Thank yeah. you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Okay. I am back, and I've got my managerial functions. And that means that means if any of you get really wise, I can mute you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's do an opening prayer. Let's bring our attention and our awareness within. Okay. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to be together. Thank you for this technology that allows us to talk and join and see each other and just really experience our connection and our oneness with each other. So grateful to have this opportunity. So grateful to have A Course in Miracles. So grateful to have you, Holy Spirit, in our minds all the time, helping us with new perceptions, new interpretations, interpretations and perceptions that lead us to peace and oneness and healing. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, so here we are. How is everybody? Oh. Which one of you is it that's in Mexico? You. Yeah, yeah. Nathan, and, and oh, and you, uh, <laughs> a woman that you, you met a woman that I dated like 30 some years ago. That's what she says, Marta is, Marta. yeah, Marta, yeah, okay, maybe you remember, I don't know, she says oh, she yeah. remembered you. I remember her, tell her I said hi, what the hell is she doing in Mexico? <laughs> oh, I don't know, she's in the Course in Miracles, she said you gave her her first Course in Miracles book, and she didn't open it for 20 years or something, but uh, she's, she likes the course. She's in it. Well, tell her to connect with me. Get, you know, give her a, send me an email or something. We can um, connect. I haven't, I haven't seen or talked to Marta in probably 25 years. Yeah, okay. Will do. But uh, I remember her fondly. She had a daughter. Yeah, yeah, I think she might have, have two, maybe. One lives in Paris, I think, and uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And are you in in Mexico permanently, or is it just a no, I come and go? Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, so you're Nathan and Jack. Tell me about yourself. You're in in the Fort Worth area. Yeah, just Fort Worth, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's where the heat is, man. <laughs> where the heat is. Okay. 
It was foggy here all day yesterday. I had my heater on in my room all night long because it was chilly. Oh, my gosh. Lucky you. Really? Is that, what the, is that what the fog brings in? Is the cold? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when the fog comes in, it's uh, it's cold, and it's can be. It's been a pretty foggy year. I mean, it varies a little from year to year, but actually, this year has been kind of foggy. We had a warm spell in like May or May or June or something for a week, and Reverend Kelly tried to pressure me to get a little room air conditioner, and, and she's not used to San Francisco. I says, Kelly, this is rare. <laughs> in a week, in a week. We'll have to turn the heat on. I says, we, we don't buy air conditioners in San Francisco. <laughs> we just don't. It doesn't last. She's used to Southern California. And, and then sure enough, after like four or five days, it hasn't been hot since, really. Okay, and Susan, you're in Fort Worth somewhere, too. Somewhere, somewhere outside of. Yeah. Okay. And and you and you were wait, wait, wait a couple of you well probably you two Fort Worth people no I forget yeah so you're, you're all with all the Rev, you're with Reverend Lisbeth or you're in Reverend Lisbeth's group right all of you yeah oh all of you yeah of course when, Nathan, when Nathan's here with us he's with it he's with the group too <laughs> when he's up when he's up there in Fort Worth yeah. Okay, great. Well, tell Reverend Lisbeth I said hi when you see her. Oh, she's pretty awesome. She is awesome. Okay, I suppose we should start reading. Where are you at? Are you, are you at home or are you at office? I'm at home. I am at home. This is my, my bed. See all my hats lined up on the wall over there? Little big speakers up there. Wow. <laughs> my hats. All your hats. <laughs> yeah, I have more. I need. I need some more hooks now because I have more hats. They don't all fit on the hook. I got some new hats. Um, we have to have you know have different colors for different outfits and different weights. You need lighter ones for the summertime. Um, hold on a minute. I know where we're starting, but I'm. Yeah, look it up. We're we're only uh, sin versus error, I believe. Yeah. And we're all kind of in different books, so we just page in, sin, versus, sin versus error, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In my book, it's page three eighty one. But people have you're right. People have different books, but as long as we're on the same section, we're good. Okay. So I assume Kelly does this the same way that. I do it, which is we just read paragraphs and rotate, and then at the end of the section, we chat about it, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, I'll start. It, it is essential that error not be confused with sin, and it is this distinction which makes salvation possible. For error can be corrected and the wrong made right, but sin, were it possible, would be irreversible. The belief in sin is necessarily based on the firm conviction that minds, not bodies, can attack. And thus the mind is guilty and will forever so remain, unless a mind, not part of it, can give it absolution. Sin calls for punishment as error for correction, and the belief that punishment is correction is clearly insane. Okay, so why don't we do the order on... <clears throat> 
Nathan, uh, then Jack, then Susan. Sin is not an error, <clears throat> for sin entails an arrogance which the idea of error lacks. To sin would, would be to violate reality and to succeed. Sin is the proclamation that attack is real and guilt is justified. It assumes the Son of God is guilty and has thus succeeded in losing his innocence and making himself what God created not. Thus is creation seen as not eternal and the will of God open to opposition and defeat. Sin is the grand illusion underlying all the ego's grandiosity, for by God himself is changed and rendered incomplete. Who's next? Me? Uh, Jack. The Son of God can be mistaken. He can deceive himself. He can even turn the power of his mind against himself. But he cannot sin. There is nothing he can do that would really change his reality in any way, nor make him really guilty. That is what sin would do, for such is its purpose. Yet for, yet for all the wild insanity inherent in the whole idea of sin, it is impossible. For the wages of sin is death, and how can the immortal die? The major tenet in the ego's insane religion is that sin is not error but truth, and it is innocence that would deceive. Purity is seen as arrogance, and the acceptance of the self as sinful is perceived as holiness, and it is this doctrine which replaces the reality of the Son of God as his Father created him and willed that he be forever. Is this humility, or is it rather an attempt to wrest creation away from truth and keep it separate? Any attempts to reinterpret sin as error is always indefensible to the ego. <clears throat> the idea of sin is wholly sacrosanct to its thought system and quite unapproachable except through reverence and awe. <clears throat> it is the most holy concept in the ego system. Lovely and powerful, wholly pure, and necessarily protected with every defense at its disposal. For here lies its best defense, which all the others serve. Here is its armor, its protection, and the fundamental purpose of the special relationship in its interpretation. It can indeed be said that the ego made its world on sin. Only in such a world could everything be upside down. This is a strange illusion which makes the clouds of guilt seem heavy and impenetrable. The solidness of this world's foundation seems to have been founded on this. For sin has changed creation from an idea of God to an ideal the ego wants. A world it rules, made up of bodies, mindless and capable of complete corruption and decay. If this is a mistake, it can be undone easily by truth. Any mistake can be corrected if truth be left to judge it. But if the mistake is given the status of truth, what can it be brought? The holiness of sin is kept in place by just this strange device. As truth, it is inviolate, and everything is brought to it for judgment. As a mistake, it must be brought to truth. It is impossible to have faith in sin, for sin is faithlessness. Yet it is possible to have faith that a mistake can be corrected. Okay. <clears throat> 
there is no stone there is no stone in all the egos embattled citadel more heavily defended than the idea that sin is real the natural expression of what the son of god has made himself to be and what he is to the ego this is no mistake for this is its reality this is the truth from which escape will always be impossible this is his past his present and his future for he has somehow managed to corrupt his father and change his mind completely mourn then the death of god whom sin has killed and this would be the ego's wish which in its madness it thinks it has accomplished would you not rather that all this be nothing more than a mistake entirely correctable and so easily escaped from that its whole correction is like walking through a mist into the sun for that is all it is perhaps you would be tempted to agree with the ego that it is far better better to be sinful than mistaken yet you think carefully before you allow yourself to make this choice, approach it not lightly, for it is the choice of heaven or hell. Mm. I am confused about this. I really am not following the difference between sin and mistake. I don't, I don't know why, I'm not sinking in well. Oh, there's a cat there. <laughs> huh? There's a cat. Oh, cat though. <laughs> there's a cat. That was a mistake, not a sin. Uh, <laughs> Everything's clear now. Clear <laughs> now. Uh, I just think I, I don't know if it's uh, talked about here. Yeah, well, just that a, a, a mistake is just a mistake, and there's no guilt involved. There's no punishment involved. Uh, you just ask for correction and you correct it. So if somebody makes a mistake, you're not mad at them if you make a mistake you're not mad at yourself you just correct it if you get to the point where you're you're feeling guilty or you want to project guilt which is always some way of wanting to make yourself suffer or make the others suffer they should feel bad because of this thing that they did then it's crossed over into sin then then they've done a bad thing so it's it's the, i think it's that that distinction so it's what it's i guess like it's the value we put on the word sin what sin is i think it's just part of that whole letting go of the idea of guilt okay okay yeah nathan can you do anything about that light in back of you it makes it hard to see your face let me turn off the light and see or, or I don't know what that is in back of you. It's a, uh, is it a sunlight coming through a window? It's on the door? Yeah, it's sunlight. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Then, then you can't do anything about it. Oh, that would make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just like a Japanese zero plane coming in uh, from the sun. No, there's, there's no curtains here. It's the second floor. So I, I can't oh, yeah, then forget about it. I can move it outside. And it's, uh, it's okay. Okay. I did have a question too on that, uh, on 18, sin is not an error for sin entails an arrogance. Okay, I'd always thought that uh, uh, the uh, atonement was the undoing of the error and that sin was an error. It was just an error. Are they not interchangeable then? No. 
Uh, I mean, what it wants us, I, I believe what it wants us to do is change uh, all those ideas of sin we have and make them into just errors. That's, that's part of the atonement is to identify the errors that we feel we have, offer them up to the Holy Spirit for correction, you know, accept the correction, you know, that's all part of that process. And to let go of the idea that there's sin and something to feel guilty about, something that we need to punish ourselves for, something that we need to punish somebody else for. Yeah, it, it still kind of hangs on, though, that the error and uh, sin are just the same mistake. You know, clothed in a different cloth. But to me, they, they seem like if it's just error. There's, there's only love and there's only fear. So sin and error, you know, they're just in the same world of fear. Because it's not real. I mean, yeah, you think somebody did something, but that's just my misinterpretation. Well, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but so let's. Say, uh, but I, I think it's more like you think somebody did something bad, and that's that's something that needs uh, that we need help with. That's that's the guilt thing. Yeah. But I think it's, that's very different than thinking that somebody just did something wrong or just did something that was a mistake. Oh, we lost somebody. We lost Jack. Jack, come back. Uh, um, I mean, I, I, you know, there's those different levels. At an absolute level, yeah, there's just love and fear. But in, this, in, a, in a level that we're – I wouldn't say the error is, is necessarily fear. I think we're supposed to identify errors and uh, – and, and ask for help and correction and not imbue them with any fear um, as that's part of, you know, the correction. But I think we do accept that we make mistakes here. Yeah, and all those mistakes are from uh, misperceptions, which are really based in the, uh, the illusory world that I've created, which would include it all. Like you said, in the ultimate sense, it would have to be fear it would encompass all of that. I mean, I, I don't see it any other way. If there's only two worlds that you're looking at, you know, one is love, another is the one that I made incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, just try to boil it down into simple terms for my mind, I guess. Mm. It seemed like it's trying to split hairs into, for me, to errors and sins, and, and really, truly, they're in the same soup as far as I can see it. Because the only thing that's really real is is love. So, is does love have error? I don't think yeah. so. Sure. Think so. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, okay, let's, I don't let's know. Does love have error? But I can look at error with love, and it's I, yeah, it's difficult to look at sin with love. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe rephrase it to uh, oneness. In oneness. Is there levels? And I don't think no, so. In oneness, there is not levels. And that's that's what I that's what I'm coming from. Is that oneness? There is no level of degrees of this or that. It just is one. Right. Yeah. Okay. So where where did Jack go in oneness? <laughs> he went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Jack, come back. He'll come back. He has computer problems every now and then. Yeah, he'll be back. Okay. Okay, anything, what else here in this section? Any other thing jump out at anybody?
Let's see if I can move it this way. Well, wait a minute. Let me well, just... that would be that would be better if you can turn. Yeah, oh, now now we can see your beautiful face. Uh, <laughs> Nobody ever told me I was a kamikaze coming in. <laughs> well, I like I like the halo over your head. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. We can see I can see you anyway much better now. Can can see your facial expressions. Couldn't do that before. Who's who's the kitty? Who's the kitty cat? That's Baki. He's a Bengal. He's if I put him outside the door, he just beats on the door. So I, I just try to let him. What's out. what's his name? Baki. <laughs> Spell that. Spell that. It's B A C I. And when I first got him, he would not. He doesn't. He never stops licking my hand. So kisses, you know. So in Italian, I I was told that kisses mean is Baki in Italian. So I named him that, and about 10 years later, my dad said, no, no, no. I think he said it was like bachi or something. I don't know. So yeah, I named it's, him not, it's something a little different than that, yeah. It's the wrong thing, but that's his name. It's, anyway. <laughs> okay, so he's supposed to mean kisses, but not quite. That's okay. my version, anyway. Yeah. So I do have a question on um, 21. It says, perhaps you would be tempted to agree with the ego that it is far better to be sinful than mistaken. So is that is our is that saying that our ego prefers guilt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, our ego prefers. Oh, Jack is back. I have no. This is the second week in a row. This has happened. I don't know what's going on with my computer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I noticed earlier. I you guys kept stopping and starting and stopping and starting, and I couldn't didn't know what was going on. Okay. Well, I'm you're back. Okay. <laughs> you're back. You're back now. Okay, wait. I didn't miss anything. Um, I catch myself doing it all the time. It's just, uh, there's just this fine line between seeing something and discerning something and think somebody is making a mistake or think I'm making a mistake, but then I slip over into they're bad. They're bad. You know, it's like they, they shouldn't be doing that. It's a bad thing. Um, they should they they should suffer in some way. They should feel guilty. I should I should let them know that they're bad. Um, that they hurt my feelings. They hurt my feelings. That was bad. It is really just different than just a mistake. And okay, maybe they made a mistake. That's that's okay. I make mistakes all the time. Not a problem. Uh, maybe maybe Holy Spirit wants me to tell them something. Uh, maybe not. Um, but it, there, there's just a, a level of a, a hook that isn't there when it's just a mistake. Uh, yeah, I understand. And when it's we're still talking about the uh, the same thing we were talking about before. Yeah, sin and guilt, <laughs> sin and error. The distinction between sin and error, and how the ego is definitely attached to uh, error or sin. I can tell it in my voice the second I, you know, the second I slipped into that projecting guilt idea. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know for me, when I, uh, when I think about sin, of course, now, I've already decided that, that sin is not real. <laughs> sin is just my, my version of misunderstanding, misinterpreting the truth. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, I, and I'll choose to infuse things like guilt and judgment into it to, to justify myself. So, and, and, and that's why, you know, a lot of the conflict and confusion comes into play there. And I'm, I'm wondering, well, are they right or am I wrong? Or 
am I wrong and they right or whatever. The thing is, is that we're both wrong, you know, in the way that we're thinking because we're not relating to truth mm-hmm. as, as much as we're relating to the, the ego, this ego existence that we, that, that we believe is so real. Okay, great. Let's read on. Uh, the unreality of sin. Um, I'm reading, so I'm just to remind people of the order is uh, myself, and then Nathan, you follow me, and then Jack, you follow Nathan, and Susan, you follow Jack, and then I follow Susan. Okay, the attraction of guilt is found in sin, not error. Sin will be repeated because of this attraction. Fear can become so acute that the sin is denied the acting out, but while the guilt remains attractive, the mind will suffer and not let go of the idea of sin. For guilt still calls to it, and the mind hears it and yearns for it, making itself a willing captive to its sick appeal. Sin is an idea of evil that cannot be corrected and will be forever desirable. As an essential part of what the ego thinks you are, you will always want it. And only an avenger with a mind unlike your own could stamp it out through fear. The ego does not think it possible that love, not fear, is really called upon by sin and always answers. For the ego brings sin to fear, demanding punishment. Yet punishment is but another form of guilt's protection. For what is deserving punishment must have really been done. Punishment is always the great preserver of sin treating it with respect and honoring its enormity. What must be punished must be true, and what is true must be eternal and will be repeated endlessly. For what you think is real, you want and will not let it go. An error, on the other hand, is not attractive. What you see clearly as a mistake, you want corrected. Oh, that's a good last thing. Sometimes a sin can be repeated over and over with obvious, obviously distressing results, but without the loss of its appeal. And suddenly you change its status from a sin to a mistake. Now you will not repeat it. You will merely stop and let it go unless the guilt remains. For then you will but change the form of sin, granting that it was an error, but keeping it uncorrectable. This is not really a change in your perception, for it is sin that calls for punishment, not error. The Holy Spirit cannot punish sin. Mistakes he recognizes and and would correct them all as God entrusted him to do. But sin he knows not, nor can he recognize mistakes which cannot be corrected. For a mistake which cannot be corrected is meaningless. Mistakes are for correction and they call for nothing else. What calls for punishment must call for nothing. Mm-hmm. Every mistake must be a call for love. What then is sin? What could it be but a mistake you would keep hidden? A call for help that you would keep unheard and thus unanswered? In time, the Holy Spirit clearly sees the Son of God can make mistakes. On this you share his vision, yet you do not share his recognition of the difference between time and eternity. And when correction is completed, time is eternity. 
time is like a downward spiral, which seems to travel down from a long, unbroken line along another plane, but which in no way breaks the line or interferes with its smooth continuousness. Along the spiral, it seems as if the line must have been broken. Yet at the line, its wholeness is apparent. Everything seen from the spiral is misperceived. But if you approach the line, you realize that it was not affected by the drop into another plane at all. Yet from the plane, the line seems discontinuous. And this has been an error in perception which can easily which can be easily corrected in the mind, although the body's eyes will see no change. The eyes see many things, the mind corrects, and you respond not to the eye's illusions, but to the mind's corrections. You see the line is broken, and as you shift to different aspects of the spiral, the line looks different. Yet in your mind is one who knows it is unbroken and forever changeless. This one can teach you how to look on time differently and see beyond it, but not while you believe in sin. In error, yes, for this can be corrected by the mind, but sin is the belief that your perception is unchangeable and that the mind must accept as true what it is told good. If it does not obey, the mind is judged insane. The only power which could change perception is thus kept impotent. To the body by the fear of changed perception, which is which its teacher, who is one with it, would bring. Wow. <clears throat> when you are tempted to believe that sin is real, remember this: if sin is real, both God and you are not. The creation is extension; the Creator must have extended Himself, and it is impossible that what is part of him is totally unlike the rest. If sin is real, God must be at war with himself. He must be split and torn between good and evil, partly sane and partly insane. For he must have created what wills to destroy him and has the power to do so. It is, not e is it not easier to believe that you have been mistaken than to believe in this while you believe that your reality or your brother's is bounded by a body, you will believe in sin. While you believe that bodies can unite, you will find guilt attractive and believe that sin is precious. For the belief that bodies limit mind leads to a perception of the world in which the proof of separation seems to be everywhere. And God and his creation seem to be split apart and overthrown. For sin would prove... What God created holy could not prevail against it, nor remain itself before the power of sin. Sin is perceived as mightier than God, before which God himself must bow and offer his creation to its conqueror. Was this humility or madness? If sin were real, it would forever be beyond the hope of healing. There would be a power beyond God's, capable of making another will, which could attack his will and overcome it and give his son a will apart from his and stronger. And each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will opposed to his and in eternal opposition to him and to each other. 
Your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving this is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it, and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still because you do not realize that its foundation has gone. Its source has been removed. And so it can be cherished, but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it remains, still remains. <clears throat> and yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see it long. For in the new perception, the mind corrects it when it, seemed, when it seems to be seen, and it becomes invisible. And errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be healed not hidden. You will be healed of sin and all of its ravages the instant that you give it no power over each other. And you will help each other overcome mistakes by joyously releasing one another from the belief in sin. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both of you. And you will shine upon and you will shine upon each other in glad accomplishment of the grace that has been given. For sin will not prevail against a union heaven has a union heaven has smiled upon. Your perception was healed in the holy instant heaven gave you. Forget what you have seen and raise your eyes in faith to what you now can see. The barriers to heaven will disappear before your holy sight, for you were you who were sightless have been given vision, and you can see. Look not for what has been removed, but for the glory that has been restored for you to see. Look upon your Redeemer, and behold what he would show you in each other, and let not sin arise again to blind your eyes. For sin would keep you separate, but your Redeemer would have you look upon each other as yourself, your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Here is the rest that waits for all after the journey. And it is brought near to all by your relationship. As this peace extends from deep inside yourselves to embrace all the sonship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them... Uh, you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere, from your brothers and from various aspects of the world outside. Yet he will gently cover them, extending past completely unhindered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in has already begun. This is the way in which he will bring means and goal in line. The peace he laid deep within both of you will quietly extend to every aspect of your lives, surrounding both of you with glowing happiness and calm awareness of complete protection. And you will carry its message of love and safety and freedom to everyone who draws nigh unto your temple where healing waits for him. You will not wait to give him this, for you will call to him and he will answer. He will answer you, recognizing in your call the call of God. And you will draw him in and give him rest as it was given you. All this will you do. 
Yet the peace which already lies deeply within must first expand and flow across the obstacles you placed before it. This will you do for nothing undertaken with the Holy Spirit remains unfinished. You can indeed be sure nothing you see outside you. You can be sure of nothing you see outside you, but of this you can be sure. The Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate each other. <clears throat> the gratitude you owe to him, he asked, but that you receive for him. And when you look with gentle graciousness upon each other, you are beholding him. For you are looking where he is, where he is and not apart from him. You cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see your brothers truly. And the light in them will show you all that you need to see. When the peace in you has been extended to encompass everyone, the Holy Spirit's function here will be accomplished. <clears throat> what need is there for seeing then? When God has taken the last step himself, the Holy Spirit will gather all your thanks and gratitude, which you have offered him, and lay them gently before his creator in the name of his most holy son. And the Father will accept them in his name. What need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude? What need, what need is there of seeing in the presence of his gratitude? Oh, okay. What need is there of seeing in the presence of <clears throat> I had to get that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this for a little while. <clears throat> Who's got something that jumped out at them or just uh, they'd like to comment on? I like I like seeing little things like uh, like I ran into just uh, in the paragraph Nathan was reading. Uh, where it said in the middle of it, it says the Holy Spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him. And, you know, it's little things like that that keep cropping up in the, in the course material. And, and all it is is a reaffirmation of, of uh, that communication that goes between us and the Holy Spirit is it gets restored. And only the Holy Spirit can restore that totally. But it's, um, it's saying, be at peace, be restful, rest, rest your judgments, rest your guilt, rest your fears, and allow me to communicate with you and do what I do best. <laughs> it goes back to that over and over and over. It's the same message. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's easy to, inter it's easy to intertwine ourselves uh, from, our, from our ego perspective into it. Yeah. And, and, and broil it again, but uh, that piece is so important. You know, when I look at paragraph 36 and towards the uh, middle, middle to the end of the paragraph, it says, your relationship is now a temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So I, I sometimes wonder if um, this was Jesus talking to Bill and Helen. Like, so Bill and Helen's relationship, though, I mean, of course, it would be applied to all of us and all of our holy relationships. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it just has the energy or feel that Jesus was at first referring to Bill and Helen's relationship and has now become the temple of healing, a place where all the weary ones can come and find rest. Mm-hmm. But of course it would apply to any uh, relationship that we've turned over to the Holy Spirit so that it is now a holy relationship and not a special one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I like that reference too. That's a, that's a really good one because it, it means that you become a re- you can become a resting place if you're willing to give up your judgments and, and your and your guilts and your fears and the things that you project out. Yeah. Exhausting otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. It's so easy. I wear myself out. Not things that are so easy to do. It's crazy. <clears throat> oh sorry let me turn that off nathan what hit you most well i'm still we, we, i think when you signed out of there jack i'm still in oneness and duality that simplifies it for me and all these words and of course so many of them were using different words to mean the same thing and Instead of getting sidetracked there in guilt and sin and errors and mistakes and all that jazz, I just, it's, to me, it's all the same. It's either truth or it's fiction. And that, that just, for me, keeps me on the reservation, you know, running off the rails and thinking that uh, in judgment or whatever, you know, that just, you know, I'm not seeing truly. So let it go. Is your focus changing? What's that? You said, is your focus changing? My focus? My, yeah, I get my, my inner focus, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah my GPS has been, has, yeah, there's been a lot of changes this summer. So <clears throat> it's not as complicated as it once was. Yeah, I noticed that too, that uh, focusing, as the more and more I, I, I kept shifting back and forth, I realized how much I was continuing to focus on my ego world and when i started focusing on on the my spiritual being my my relationship with the holy spirit started the, all the ego stuff started taking a back seat and uh, <clears throat> it really makes a change in you yeah it's a new way of living and being of not knowing just being in the moment and not going anywhere else and that's that's an uncomfortable place for me. <laughs> All of us. <laughs> I'm trying to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. I'm bringing, buying pillows and, you know, everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anything I can to make it more comfortable. Right? <laughs> Cushion the blows. <laughs> it's amazing how, book, how big this book is. And I feel like every chapter just says the same thing over and over a million different ways. It does. Yeah. The holographic spiral, and we just keep climbing up the sun. Yeah. <laughs> what, what does that tell you? <laughs> what does that tell you? 
So we sure are resistant to this. Damn right. Yeah. <clears throat> I would be careful about affirming that. <laughs> I don't want to affirm that. I would, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Really, <laughs> I would at least say we're becoming less and less resistant all the time. Or That's a better I mean, where you look, we're we're here on a Tuesday morning. Um getting on our computers, reading a book, right? You know, we can't be that resistant. That that that's a that's a an actual great affirmation of our of our dedication and our willingness to move in this direction, to follow the Holy Spirit. So Well I look at I look at it more as is breaking through the barriers that I've created. So <laughs> um, Slowly breaking those down. You're you're absolutely right on that. You start you, you stop affirming it and start believing differently. Seeing it, we probably ought to deep six some of these words like resistance is negative goal setting. You know, so there's a whole lot of words we ought to just take out of our vocabulary and just yeah. Yeah, I mean I find I mean I uh, my body turned sixty five this year. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a, a real my, kind of, a, you know, that's a, that's a big milestone in our culture. That's, um, and I, that there's just all of these thoughts that go along. Well, you just start walking into all of these thoughts about that, that the culture believes about age. And, um, and people, and you hear it all the time, people talk to you, and I, I just... You know, my guidance is to just just identify it and just say no, <laughs> you know, just to just to reject those ideas. Um, you know, I I won't I won't I won't remember where my car is parked, or I'll I'll forget where something is, and I'll and you know, the, just the thought is you're not remembering things as well as you used to, and I just say, you know, no, I've forgotten things my whole life. <laughs> I mean, if I was 30 years old and forgot where my car was parked, I would just say, I forgot where my car was parked. I wasn't paying attention. I wouldn't, I wouldn't add that layer up. You're getting older. You can't, you know, your cognitive ability may not be. I just wouldn't add that thought. But, it, but now it's like, you, you know, that just that thought sort of just seems there and you just want to add it. Um, I'll be walking along, you know, maybe I walk along and I'll have a muscle pain or a muscle ache. And, you know, and again, I add that layer of thought, you know, getting older. Justification. <laughs> and I just, I just keep working at, you know, I just, okay, there's that thought, but no, I don't accept that. And, um, and I, again, I remember what, you know, if I was 25 or 30 and I had a little muscle ache. I would, I, I just would say, oh, I must have sprained my, I, I don't know. I would just never, I wouldn't have added that thought. And now I add, you know, it's just odd. So it's just, it's sometimes being vigilant against these, uh, it, against the negative self-talk. Absolutely. That's all. Just being, you know, uh, vigilant about it. And so saying things like, we're really resistant to this. Okay, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to accept that idea. We're not. Here we are. Look, how resistant could we be? We're right here. <laughs> <laughs> all these bad habits yeah we're 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 totally open to it you know, and, we're, and we're doing it it's funny but uh you know i did a lot of that i did a lot of recognition i should say 
of, of, of my resistance. And it took me recognizing and, and, and realizing that I was doing it, that I was resisting uh, in different ways, forms, and fashion. But it, it took that for me to come to the realization that I no longer needed to resist it. I could change my mind and look at it differently. There you go. That's a, that's a better. I like that idea better. Mm-hmm. I turned 65 this year, too, Tony. Hey. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm 65, too. Yeah. Wow. That's right. That's right. Maybe I can't too. ask the lady how old she is, because that's Wait, just you, not. Did you just say you're 65? I am. You are. No big yeah. <clears throat> One more year for me. I just had a birthday. Mm. Mm, yeah. You know, back to your question there, Tony, it's like say the ego is our death wish, and then we got this overlay business of this desire, this pull to go home to truth, to oneness. And so it's it's kind of layers upon layers. On one one hand, you got this that little voice that says that of the ego, the death wish, yeah, you're getting older and subscribing to the timeline with a deadline. And then you have this pull to go home, you know. I want to go home. So it's almost like a like a devil's cocktail, you know, uh, time and, and uh, I want to go home. So let me out of here. You know, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, check out. Yeah. And I think, I believe it's, it's part of the ego thought system to believe that we're going to quote, go home yeah. When, yeah. when we die. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> we, we learn in a different here, but it's still the same concept. <laughs> Going home is, is one part and the death wish is the other one here. You know? Yeah. So I need to look at that one too, that, uh, that death isn't going to accomplish anything. Mm-mm. Death accomplishes nothing. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're not going to be, I'm not going to be released because my body dies or whatever. So, another step along the path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so we got three more sections to read. They're not quite as long as this last section that we read. Do you usually usually take a break? At, yeah. Okay, so instead of starting to read the next section, why don't we take a break now? You uh, should take what? Twelve minutes? Does she do that? Yeah. That twelve. Okay, so I got 56. Let's take 11. We'll compromise. I got 56 after the hour. So let's, uh, it's seven minutes uh, after after the hour, we'll call that. Sounds good. Or, or, or just rejoin the, <clears throat> I'm just going to shut off the video. I'm not going to. Okay, so are you saying 10, 10 minutes, 12 minutes? I said 11. I compromised. Uh, seven minutes, uh, whatever is seven minutes after the hour. All right. Whatever hour you are on. Okay. Something 07. Okay.
Say, so, uh, what about how I've got Martha's email address? How do I give her yours? Just have her communicate to the to the community center. Or? Uh, I could get well. That's kind of. <clears throat> I should give you my personal email. Okay. <laughs> There's a way for us to type here, isn't there? There's a chat. I don't know about that. Yeah, here it is. Let's see if you get this. Okay. Oh. oh, type message here. Here we go. Did you see it? it there's a, it's a little chat it. window. Did you see it? I see it. Let me write it down here. It's just my name at yahoo.com without the reverend. Okay. Tony Ponticello at yahoo.com. Okay. Got it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to chat with her. She is she there permanently, or is she? Yeah, yeah, she lives there permanently now. Actually, she's she started a course miracles group here some years ago. Really? <laughs> well, I didn't know I had that influence on her. <laughs> it, it was a sleeper. It took twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Get her to join this group. That'd be great. Uh, I'll tell her about it too. She, I, I, that's how I, I told her about it, and she said, "Oh, I know Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And how do you know her? Where do do you interact with you? Uh, here in San Miguel at the course. Uh, I, I go to the course here when I'm here, and so that's where I met her. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was, you know, I was trying to think of when exactly did we, and we only dated for a month or so, you know, it wasn't all that long. Um, I'm trying to think about when it was. So it's 30 years ago, at least. Yeah. Maybe 32 years ago. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. It was a while ago. I'm glad you guys are doing the service that you're doing, Tony. I applaud you for doing this. This is good. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I would love to see Marta. I mean, you know, if she has a, a Skype, we could Skype or Zoom. We can use Zoom. Skype is, Skype is a little easier for just one-to-one yeah. communications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Skype a class up in Fort Worth on Wednesday nights. Yeah. It works out sometimes. Zoom's a lot better. I, Zoom is better. Zoom is stabler. Yeah. And the audio is seems to be better. I, I do a Zoom class reading the Circle of Atonement edition on Thursday nights. We do it a little differently though, because we had we did have some audio problems. So how we do it is somebody reads a whole page and while they're reading, I can mute everybody else and they can just read. And then when the next person reads the whole page, then I mute everybody else and just unmute them and then they can read a whole page. And that way, at least the reading can, can be really, the audio is really, really clear without any echoey effects. But yeah, we're doing fine with paragraphs. Um, So here we are. Everybody's back. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's interesting. We're all around the same age. Yeah. Timeless. But no, your bodies are all around the same age. Ageless. Timeless, ageless, eternal. Isn't it it grand to be eternal? Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, so Susan, uh, you're reading The First Obstacle. And, uh, you know, our order was just keep the same order. So it's, I follow Susan, Nathan follows me, Jack follows Nathan, Susan follows Jack. Okay, obstacles to peace. The first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it. The first obstacle that peace must flow across is your desire to get rid of it, for it cannot radiate unless you keep it. You are in the center from which it radiates outward to call others in. You are its home, its tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out but never leaving you. If you would make it homeless, how can it abide within the Son of God? If it would spread across the whole creation, it must begin with you and from you reach to everyone who calls and bring him rest by joining you. Why would you want peace homeless? What do you think that it must dispossess to dwell with you? What seems to be the cost you are so unwilling to pay? The little barrier of sand still stands between you. Would you reinforce it now? You are not asked to let it go for yourselves alone. Christ asks it of you for yourself. He would bring peace to everyone, and how can he do this except through you? Would you let a little bank of sand, a wall of dust, a tiny seeming barrier stand between your brothers and salvation? And yet it is this little remnant of attack you cherish still against each other that is the first obstacle the peace in you encounters in its going forth. 
this little wall of hatred would still oppose the will of God <clears throat> and keep it limited. The Holy Spirit's purpose rests in peace within you. <clears throat> you are still unwilling to let it join you wholly. You still oppose the will of God just by a little. And that little is a limit you would place upon the whole. God's will is one, not many. It has no opposition, for there is none beside it. What you would still contain behind your little barrier and keep separate from each other seems mightier than the universe, for it would hold back the universe and its creator. This little wall would hide the purpose of heaven and keep it from heaven. Would you thrust salvation away from the giver of salvation? For such have you become. Peace could no more depart from you than from God. Fear not this little obstacle. It cannot contain the will of God. Peace will flow across it and join you without hindrance. Salvation cannot be withheld from you. It is your purpose. You cannot will apart from this. You have no purpose apart from each other, nor apart from the one you ask the Holy Spirit to share with you. The little wall will fall away so quietly beneath the wings of peace. For peace will send its messengers from you to all the world, and barriers will fall away before their coming as easily as those which you would interpose will be. And barriers will fall away before their coming as easily as those which you would interpose will be surmounted. To overcome the world is no more difficult than to surmount your little wall. For in the miracle of your relationship, without this barrier is every miracle contained. There is no order of difficulty in miracles, for they are all the same. Each is a gentle winning over from the appeal of guilt to the appeal of love. How can this fail to be accomplished whenever it is undertaken? Guilt can raise no barriers against it, and all that seems to stand between you must fall away because of the appeal you answered. For from you who answered, he who answered you would call. His home is in your holy relationship. Do not attempt to stand between him and his holy purpose, for it is yours. But let him quietly extend the miracle of your relationship to everyone contained in it as it was given. <clears throat> there is a hush in heaven. A happy expectancy, a little pause of gladness and acknowledgement of the journey's end. For heaven knows you well, as you know heaven. No illusions stand between you now. Look not upon the little wall of shadows. The sun has risen over it. How can a shadow keep you from the sun? No more can you be kept in shadows from the light in which illusions end. Every miracle is but the end of an illusion. Such was the journey, such its ending. And in the goal of truth, which you accepted, must all illusions end. The little insane wish to get rid of him who you invited in and push him out must produce conflict. As you look upon the world, this little wish, uprooted and floating aimlessly, can land and settle briefly upon anything, for it has no purpose now. Before the Holy Spirit entered to abide with you, it seemed to have a mighty purpose, the fixed and unchangeable dedication to sin and its results. Now it is aimless, wandering pointlessly, causing no more than a tiny interruption in love's appeal. 
Wow, what a condition. <clears throat> this feather of a wish, this tiny illusion, this microscopic remnant of the belief in sin is all that remains of what once seemed to be the world. It is no longer an unrelenting barrier to peace. Its pointless wandering makes its results appear to be more erratic and unpredictable than before. Yet what could be more unstable than a tightly organized disillusional system? Its seeming stability is it is its persuasive weakness, which extends to everything. This variability which the little remnant induces merely indicates its limited results. How mighty can a little feather be before the great winds of truth? Can it oppose the needle's flight or hinder the advance of summer? Can it, advance, can it interfere with the effects of summer's sun upon a garden covered by the snow? See that how easily this little wisp is lift up, lifted up and carried away, never to return, and part with it in gladness, not regret. For it is nothing in itself and stood for nothing when you had greater faith in its protection. Would you not rather greet the summer sun than fix your gaze upon a disappearing like and shiver in remembrance of the winter's cold? Mm. <clears throat> he just does it every way he possibly can. Yeah. Makes it sound so easy. <laughs> it is. It is easy. It is easy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> God, <laughs> what's difficult is not doing it. I think it's like cell memory. You know, when something um, that is meaningless hits me, but it attacks something from my past that was painful or intense or made me angry or whatever, that old cell memory just pops in every time. You know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, and so it's like, it's, it's like a built in habit and it just takes over a lot of times. Well, I, I would probably conceptualize that not as much as a cell memory but just as a thought form, it's, it's something yeah. that I had have thought or I had thought and I thought it so much Yeah. decisions around it. Mm -hmm. And it's just the spin of thoughts and it, I, I'm still carrying it with me cause I haven't decided differently or broken it up enough, whatever. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's always just there, always ready to, to, to just like start spinning again in my mind. It just blows me away when I think that whatever that is, is gone for good. And I will feel intense peace and joy around it. And then later it comes and whacks me upside the head again. It just blows my head. It's tiring. Anyway. I think, you know, I, I, I think we're going to have those experiences continually. I mean, from what I read, when you read the, the, the development of trust section in the teacher's manual, it's not like this straight path that just gets easier and easier as we go along. I mean, it is that way in a way, but it also talks a lot about how, and this, and this is going to talk about these obstacles to peace, how even as we progress, we still get, you know, kind of hit at times with real challenges and problems and fears and uh, as different levels of uh, the error gets undone, 
um, you, you're still going to encounter that. So I don't expect those experiences necessarily to go away. I know at times, I know at times that when uh, uh, I get uh, when I get tired, okay, or where I'm just exhausted from things going on, and I just kind of want to stop for a while. I uh, I can I can catch myself getting maybe disappointed or discouraged, you know, and and that's the time I realize that I've got to let it go and just remind myself I just need to be at peace. I don't need to understand all the stuff that's going through my head. I just, I don't need to accept it. I don't need, I don't need to understand it. I just need to be at peace. Yeah. And then the, it's, it's kind of like it refreshes you, mm-hmm. but, but you got to be willing to do that. I, I can't stay in my disappointment, my discouragement. I can't stay there and be at peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that sentence in 47, uh, yet what could be more unstable than a tightly organized delusional system? It, it reminds me much of there are two worlds and they have no overlap. And this world of illusion is a tightly wound system. It has its, has its laws that they all obey, but it, we have to keep reinforcing that world in order to make it look stable. So like it seems as if it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I put up on the chat there a link to a Reverend Kelly's video, her birthday video. So you could copy it and paste it somewhere and, and click on it later or. What are you, what, you put it where? There should be somewhere on your window a, a chat window where you see where we where we can type messages to each other while we're while we're on the call. Oh, she mentioned that before, but I don't know. We never used it. <laughs> oh, I see. There's those little blue dots on the right side. You click on that, and it says chat. Yeah, I guess we can. can I've know. got on the bottom of my screen. I've got you know it comes up as a chat. Chat. Kind of, um, section. I, yeah. I gave Nathan my email address a minute ago, so that still appears there. And then there's a link, uh, a, a YouTube link. Okay. You see that? Do you see it? Okay. That's, that's the link to Reverend Kelly's video. She's really, I, I you know, I shouldn't even, that, I, it's the best talk I think she's ever given for us. And Is she was really it? excited. Yeah. She was just inspired. She was inspired. And, um, about her birthday and a different perspective on birthdays. And I thought she was terrific. And she had a, she had this beautiful new dress on and everybody was complimenting her on her dress too. So she was like, she was just excited about her birthday and she was inspired. I thought she was great. So anyway, that's, that's a link. She's always great, but, and this one was great. <laughs> I love so I'm sure she'd love it if you would watch it and, uh, you can leave a little comment afterwards or something. She was terrific and she looked great. <laughs> okay, let us read on The Attraction of Guilt. Uh, I am reading. The attraction of guilt produces fear of love, for love would never look on guilt at all. It is the nature of love to look upon only the truth, for there it sees itself, with which it would unite in holy union and completion. As love must look past fear, so must fear see love not. 
For love contains the end of guilt as surely as fear depends on it. Love is attracted only to love. Overlooking guilt completely, it sees no fear. Being wholly without attack, it could not be fearful. Fear is attracted to what love sees not, and each believes that what the other looks upon does not exist. Fear looks on guilt, and just the same devotion that love looks on itself. And each has messengers which they send forth and which return to them with messages written in the language in which their going forth was asked. Love's messengers are gently sent and return with messages of love and gentleness. The messengers of fear are harshly ordered to seek out guilt and cherish every scrap of evil and of sin which they can find losing none of them on pain of death and laying them respectively before their Lord and master. Perception cannot obey two masters, each asking for messages of different things in different languages. What fear would feed upon, love overlooks. What fear demands, love cannot even see. The fierce attraction which guilt holds for fear is wholly absent from love's gentle perceptions. What love would look upon is meaningless to fear and quite invisible. Relationships in this world are the result of how the world is seen. And this depends on which emotion was called on to send its messengers to look upon it and return with word of what they saw. Fear's messengers are trained through terror and they tremble when their master calls upon them to serve him. For fear is merciless even to its friends. Its messengers steal guiltily away in hungry search of guilt, for they are kept cold and starving and made very vicious by their master, who allows them to feast only upon what they return to him. No little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it, screaming to their master to be devoured. So Ooh, not images there. <laughs> send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality, for they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. They have been taught to seek. They have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorgeous filled with things decayed and rotted. God, rub it in. (laughs) 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 To them, such things are beautiful because they seem to allay their savage pangs of hunger, for they are frantic with the pain of fear and would avert the punishment of him who sends them forth by offering him what they hold dear. The Holy Spirit has given you love's messengers to send instead of those you train through fear. They are as eager to return to you what they hold dear as are the others. If you send them forth, you will see only the blameless and the beautiful, the gentle and the kind. They will be as careful to let no little act of charity, no tiny expression of forgiveness, no little breath of love escape their notice. And they will return with all the happy things they found to share them lovingly with you. Be not afraid of them. They offer you salvation. Theirs are the messages of safety, for they see the world as kind. If you send forth only the messengers the Holy Spirit gives you, 
wanting no messages but theirs, you will see fear no more. The world will be transformed before your sight, cleansed of all guilt and softly brushed with beauty. The world contains no fear which you laid not upon it, and none you cannot ask love's messengers to remove from it and see it still. The Holy Spirit has given you his messengers to send to each other and return to each other what love sees. They have been getting to replace the hungry dogs of fear you sent instead. And they go forth to signify the end of fear. Love, too, would set a feast before you on a table covered with a spotless cloth, set in a quiet garden where no sound but singing and a softly joyous whispering is ever heard. This is a feast which honors your holy relationship and in which everyone is welcomed as an honored guest. And in a holy instant, grace is said by everyone together as they join in gentleness before the table of communion. And I will join you there as long ago, and I will join you there as long ago I promised and promised still. For in your new relationship am I made welcome. And where I am made welcome, there I am. I am made welcome in the state of grace, which, which means you have at last forgiven me. For I became the symbol of your sin, and so I had to die instead of you. To the ego, sin means death, and so atonement is achieved through murder. Salvation is looked upon as a way by which the Son of God was killed instead of you. Yet would I offer you my body, you whom I love, knowing its littleness, or would I teach that bodies cannot keep us apart? Mine was no greater value than yours, no better means of communication of salvation, but not its source. No one can die for anyone, and death does not atone for sin. Yet, you can live to show it is not real. The body does appear to be a symbol of sin while you believe that, you can, that it can get you what you want. While you believe that it can give you pleasure, you will also believe that it can bring you pain. To think you could be satisfied and happy with so little is to hurt yourself and to limit the happiness that you would have calls and to limit the happiness that you would have calls upon pain to fill your meager store and make your lives complete. This is completion as the ego sees it. For guilt creeps in where happiness has been removed and substitutes for it. Communion is another kind of completion, which goes beyond guilt because it goes beyond the body. You know, I think about the parables uh, that Jesus gave and, and uh, the examples he used. And going back into the main body of this back in like 51 and, and 52 and all the descriptors that are used there. One of the things that came to me while we were reading that is these, these messengers. And I, and I think of all these images that come about and, and, and come forward. And I've seen them depicted in movies and shows and things like that. And, and what I'm, what I'm getting out of this is that those are the messengers that I project out. Yeah. Okay, those are just the messengers that I project out. Now, when he talks about love, what I'm doing is I'm, 
I'm sending out messengers of sharing. That's how that's how I'm perceiving this is when my my messengers of love go out, it's sharing. When it's my messages of of things that I I want to get out of me <laughs> or push off and let somebody else be responsible for them. Uh, those are just that's just my guilt. Those are things that I'm uh, that I chalk up to being something separate and apart from me. But what I'm I, I can't fully understand. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But yeah, I used to be a. Uh uh, uh, real politics, news, uh, very interested in it and kept really abreast with it. But, I, well, ever since the election, so ever since the election in November, I just, I don't watch it anymore because it's, it's what, you, what you said, Jack. It's like, it's like those dogs of fear. It's like I just really realized how fear-based uh, uh, it was, or, and it got worse. You know, it just got worse after the election. It's uh, every message was we should be scared. I mean, it was just like this continual message of there's something that we should be scared about. You know, there's yeah. something terrible going on and we should be afraid. And it just it was end, endless fear. And I, I thought, I don't, wanna, I, don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want I don't want to support this with my energy or my consciousness. I mean, if, if, first of all, there's it tends to make me afraid. So there's that. But even if I, I don't feel a fear trigger, I don't want to give energy to it. I don't want to support that, that fearful message. Um, and it hadn't changed. It's been that way forever. You yeah. know, the media source, they have one function, like you said, to sell fear and the, and the root behind it is control. So that's basically what it is. You mentioned earlier, you know, the, our, our control programs. That's what it's all about. And it's just an ego-based program. So, mm -hmm. and it's your choice, you know, subscribe to it or not. And that's what this course is all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah how about unsubscribe to it? Maybe that's it. That's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> At the bottom of the page, it says unsubscribe. Yeah. I remember when I first read uh, paragraph, you know, 51, and it's talking about the, the savage messengers of guilt, you know, at the, at the bottom of that paragraph, no little shred of guilt escapes their hungry eyes, and in their savage search for sin, they pounce on any living thing they see and carry it screaming to their master to be devoured. Yeah. I, was, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I, I remember I was with a lady friend of mine at the time. I remember we were on a bus. We were on a bus, and I, I was reading the course on the bus, and she was with me. And I, I, I says, I got to read you this. I says, I just don't, be, I didn't believe that that this was in there. And then the next, even the next, and um, the next paragraph, send not these savage messengers into the world to feast upon it and to prey upon reality, for they will bring you word of bones and skin and flesh. And they have been taught to seek for the corruptible and to return with gorges filled with things decayed and rotted. Pretty graphic imagery there. Yeah, yeah but it's something that, um, I don't know, I, I've come to realize that, yes, that 
that is something that we all share. And it's it's when we start to me it's it's like when we start realizing what it is, it's just fear based, guilt based, you know, it's all that stuff that that we have put images to the things that we do. Yeah. And and those are pretty graphic images of what we do. Yeah. And now we realize that we no longer have to participate in that. Yeah. We no longer have to do that. And when we do that, we are actually contributing to the overcoming or the awakening of, of the oneness. Right. Now, in another place, it says the ego is like a scavenger dog. And then it fills in these lines as well. I always like that makes it simple for me, a scavenger dog. And it can only go out looking for guilt. That's the only food that it can, that can feast on. And it can't, it brings it back. So then again, it's projection and perception, you know. Projection yeah but we do that you know what that is that is our ego mm -hmm. that we carry around every day that we choose to allow it to be our guy yeah our front man <laughs> yeah our front man <laughs> yeah so yeah, I kind of like to get away from that. <laughs> yeah, and there's, um, you know, in in I don't know how long you all have been studying the course, but um, it seems like you all have got quite a bit of perspective on it. So, like uh, in in paragraph fifty four, the middle of the paragraph, the world contains no fear which you laid not upon it. Yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, when you first, uh, well, I'll speak for me. When I first started studying spirituality and these kind of things, and of course, the miracles, it was, it was really the consciousness was there was this fear in the world, and I should move away from it. Like, you know, and I should focus on other things because I don't want to be part of that fear in the world. And it's, it's just like that, you know, it just keeps work. Of course, it just keeps working. I realize that fear isn't in the world. It's, there's nothing in the world. There is no world. There's nothing in it. I'm putting that fear in the world. <laughs> so like, it's not, it's just, it's not so much a matter of moving away from this thing that's there. It's a matter of just, just letting it flow over and, and stop putting it there by, by whatever means the Holy Spirit guides me. And if that, you know, if that means not turning on the program, that means not turning on the program. But it's, it's just important for me to continually remember that, it's not that there's these fearful things out there that I'm just choosing not to focus on. I'm choosing not to put that out there. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't turn it on because I don't want to turn it on. That's just a metaphor for turning it on in my mind. It's not, you know, it's not like I'm tuning into something that's out there. It's like I'm tuning into it in my mind and I don't want, you know, I'm, why? Why would I want to when I realize that? <clears throat> You know, you just got through reading about it, the attraction to guilt. That's the only reason. The attraction, you're it's, that's, it's the attraction to guilt. That's all. It's, it's, it's exciting in some way. It's, it's that first obstacle to peace. It's just exciting. Well, it's it's kind of like Nathan was saying about the rabbit dog. Uh, you know, we, we can choose to feed it. You know, or we can choose not to. But one of the things I learned, you know, early on – I'd say early on, somewhere along the line, in my studies of the Course of Miracles, was that 
I can't ignore it. I can't ignore it. I have to realize that we are one. We are, we are oneness, and we share all of this. All we can choose is to no longer share or, not, well, no longer believe in the reality of it. It isn't even there. Yeah. Huh? It isn't even there. Yeah. It's not, but as long as we believe it is, okay, then yeah. we, we have the ability to share it. Okay, and and before we decide to project it out, if we go, wait a minute, this is not real. This, yeah. this is only something that's part of this this ego, you know, system that we built, and we no longer have to continue to share it and believe that it has any kind of reality. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, this next chapter we're, we're striking to the heart of it because it's a value system. Value-based system. We have valued the illusions that we've made, invested in that, and we we need help to dis devalue it, to take it, you know, from what is valueless again. Yeah. It's, it's our illusions, you know. It's really what it is, and, and we think that they're valuable, and we're not ready to give them up. That this world has some some tiny bit of pleasure or something it can give us, when the world is always just the effect. You know, it's always yeah. the mind is the cause again. And, you know, there's no pleasure in the world without this uh, mind interacting, you know, giving it a value. Yeah. Okay, we got, we got one more section to read, and we should read it. Um, Jack, you're reading, I believe. Yeah. Second yeah. obstacle. The second obstacle, the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. We said that peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. Where the attraction of guilt holds sway, peace is not wanting. The second obstacle that peace must flow across and closely related to the first is the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. For here is the attraction of guilt made manifest in the body and seen in it. This is the value that you think peace would rob you of. This is what you believe that it dispossess and leave you homeless. And it is this for which you would deny a home to peace. This sacrifice you feel to be too great to make, too much to ask of you. Is it a sacrifice or a release? What has the body really given you that justifies your strange belief that in it lies salvation? Do you not see that this is the belief in death? Here is the focus of the perception of atonement as murder. Here is the source of the idea <clears throat> that love is fear. The Holy Spirit's messengers are sent far beyond the body, calling the mind to join in holy communion and be at peace. Such is the message that I gave them for you. It is only the messengers of fear that see the body, for they look for what can suffer. Is it a sacrifice to be removed from what can suffer? The Holy Spirit does not demand you sacrifice. It does not demand that you sacrifice the hope of the body's pleasure. It has no hope of pleasure. <laughs> but neither can it bring you fear of pain. Pain is the only sacrifice the Holy Spirit asks, and this he would remove. Hmm. Peace is... <laughs> Peace is extended from you only to the eternal, and it reaches out from the eternal in you. 
it flows across all else. The second obstacle is no more solid than the first, for you will neither, for you will neither to get rid of peace nor limit it. What are these obstacles which you would interpose between peace and its going forth, but barriers you place between your will and its accomplishment? You want communion, not the feast of fear. You want salvation, not the pain of guilt. And you want your father, not a little mound of clay, to be your home. In your holy relationship is your father's son. He has not lost communion with him, nor with himself. When you agree to join each other, you acknowledge this is so. This has no cost, but it has release from cost. You have paid very dearly for your illusions, and nothing you have paid for brought you peace. Are you not glad that heaven cannot be sacrificed, and sacrifice cannot be asked of you? There is no obstacle. There is no obstacle which you can place before our union, for in your holy relationship I am there already. We will surmount all obstacles together, for we stand within the gates and not outside. How easily the gates are opened from within to let peace through to bless the tired world. Can it be difficult for us to walk past barriers together when you have joined the limitless? The end of guilt is in your hands to give. Would you stop now to look for guilt in each other? Hold on just a second. <clears throat> 65. Yeah, I'm lost here. Where am I? 65. Let me be to you the symbol of the end of guilt and look upon each other as you would look upon me. Forgive me all the sins you think the Son of God committed, and in the light of your forgiveness, he will remember who he is and forget what never was. I ask for your forgiveness, for if you are guilty, so must I be. But if I surmounted guilt and overcame the world, you were with me. Would you see in me the symbol of guilt or of the end of guilt, remembering that what I signify to you, you see within yourself? From your holy relationship, truth proclaims the truth, and love looks on itself. Salvation flows from deep within the home you offer to my Father and to me, and we are there together in the quiet communion in which the Father and the Son are joined. O come, ye faithful, to the holy union of the Father and Son in you, and keep you not apart from what is offered you in gratitude for giving peace its home in heaven. Send forth to all the world the joyous message of the end of guilt, and all the world will answer. Think of your happiness as everyone offers you witness of the end of sin and shows you that its power is gone forever. Where can guilt be when the belief in sin is gone? And where is death when its great advocate is heard no more? <laughs> Good question. <clears throat> Forgive me your illusions and release me from punishment for what I have not done so will you learn the freedom that I taught by teaching freedom to each other, and so releasing me. I am within your holy relationship, yet you would imprison me behind the obstacles you raised to freedom and bar my way to you. Yet it is not possible to keep away one who is there already, and in him it is possible 
that our communion, where we are joined already, will be the focus of the new perception that will bring light to all the world contained in you. Okay. Oh, did he get down and personal this time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, so this has in it... Uh, Okay, you know, A Course in Miracles, all the ideas in A Course in Miracles, most of them you can find in other things, but there are a couple of, just a couple, I think, totally unique ideas in A Course in Miracles that you don't find in other, other disciplines. One of them is that one of your creations, that we have creations, and, uh, you know, that's talked about a lot all throughout the, the book, the text a lot, but in, I think even in the workbook it's mentioned a lot, so people debate about what that means, and it's like, but anyway, I've never, you know, the, these idea that we have creations that have the same relationship to us as we have to God, you know, that we, we create souls that we give life to. Okay, so anyway, so that's just that idea. So that's unique. But at this idea that we need to forgive Jesus, yeah. I, that, that idea, I just don't find that in any other yeah. New Age Christianity, that's, a, that's one of those unique course ideas, and, and it's here. So it's uh, 65 in the middle. I ask for your forgiveness, and um, 67, forgive me your illusions and release me from punishment. And it's, and it's all throughout the course. It's like eight or ten times Jesus talking about us needing to forgive him. Yeah. And this gets debated a lot, again, because it's this unique uh, course idea. So, anyway, I just wanted to point it out. Um, there are a couple of unique course ideas. There's two. I'm not so sure that this was, was so unique, but uh, because I, I kind of get the impression that it was just uh, that aspect of it and that idea was probably just left out of the Bible. Uh, so it was kind of left out of Christianity. I, I don't know if Jesus realized when he was here that we would not see that or not. But it's, it's so great that in this course that he is bringing it forward to, to make us aware. Because look at what we've done to Jesus. We, we put him on pedestals. We put him, you know... And he's sitting there trying to tell us. Even in the Bible, he told us, I am as you. You know, I'm no different than you. But people didn't want to see that. They, they wanted to glorify him and, and all. And what he did was he showed us how we could awaken to the Christ within. And he was able to do that. And he is showing us the way. And, and I think all in all that message, if we had seen it clearly, we would have recognized and understood Mm -hmm. well, what that statement says to me really is it's it's pointing us to the one mind you know? and, and if we're seeing anybody guilty then you know jesus is in our mind too you know so it's all it's all one mind and it's all about just cleaning up that whole program that we've um we've invested in i, don't I know think but I see it as a, just a one mind. It's pointing yeah. its finger to one mind. There's only one. Whatever you see out there is what's in your own mind. And, it, and evidently, we're seeing a world of form. And so, some reason or other, we're stuck in some guilt trip, you know? Because uh, that's, that's, this world is kind of made as a, 
symbol of guilt in the body too. Even though we don't, I, I do a radar check inside and I can't see it, but I know it must be so. You know, otherwise I, I'd be just seeing, uh, you know, milk and honey everywhere maybe. <laughs> it's on your radar though. <laughs> yeah, if I see milk and honey, I've got to see shit on the other side, you know, so I've got to have a dual cotton duality web again, you know. <laughs> I really believe Jesus is only trying to help us. And he's asking us, really, he's asking us to awaken to the Christ within. Mm -hmm. Because that's where oneness is. Yeah. And and he's asking in so many ways. And he's uh he's doing the very best he can. You know, and and that's all I mean, that's all we can have. He's done pretty much all the work. <laughs> you know what he's he's laid yeah. it out, showing us the way. And we're we're just we're struggling with it. And I'm not gonna say resist, Tony. <laughs> and you're what? I'm not gonna say I'm, I'm not gonna oh, say yeah, that we're resisting. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let go of the struggle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How about from Susan here? Can't let all the men talk all the time. No, we don't. <laughs> I get my words in. Hey, what is your what is your sweatshirt say? Is that Tulane? Yeah, my son. That's in Louisiana, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my son graduated there. He and his wife. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. It's the same message over and over. It's easy. Easy, easy, but I struggle, struggle, struggle. And what I love is that, you know, like on the Sunday meetings that I go to, everything becomes crystal clear. And then when we do this, everything is so clear and everything in my life seems easy. When I'm doing this with a group, it's mm -hmm. harder when I'm doing it by myself. Mm -hmm. Way hard. It's not even the same. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just feel like afterwards I get up and I go out in the world and it is the most amazing day. But I, I, there's something about doing this as a group that is really powerful. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish that I could, <laughs> I need for it to Every go day. all the time because I can't drag you all around with me. <laughs> um, no, that's right. Yeah, that's it's it releases unleashes more than just ourselves it's uh, the one mind comes in <laughs> yeah. I like to do this every day too because yeah every time you have a class mm -hmm. you feel it sweeps the mind clear you know and clean again yeah. washes me clean of myself and uh, then the next day you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm rolling in the muck and I've got my ego dogs out looking for scrap, you know, on the street. Bring it home, baby. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Unleash the Kraken. <laughs> I thank you all for this every day. Well, Susan, you're really never alone. <laughs> And we are always with you. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's just easy to put us in the shadows <laughs> you know, when other things are confronting you. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. So. Good.
<laughs> You're right, though. This I I tried to do this by myself, and I couldn't. Me too. I I realized. Well, and I'm not going to say I can't because the Holy Spirit is always there, and the Holy Spirit is always communicating, always finding ways to communicate with me. So I'm I'm never alone in that sense. Not uh, I never I. I got to a point where I stopped feeling like I was alone. It was like, wow, this is great. But it took me a lot of getting together with groups and sharing and doing things like this, you know, going to the, our, our group meetings and stuff to, to get to the point where I realized I really am not alone. But I couldn't convince myself of that for a long time. So, yeah, it's, it's an awakening. <laughs> Same here. 34 years for me with this, and it's only just in the past six months begun to stick. Mm. I, it's like it's huge compared to what there was. Things happen to me every day that I go, why couldn't I see this 10 years ago? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I had the opportunity. What happened? <laughs> so I don't question anymore. I'm right where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I really think A Course of Miracles is really salvation through relationships. Um, you know, there's, that, there's so many passages, like it's impossible to, it actually says it's impossible to do alone. <clears throat> um, you know, there might be some other <clears throat> paths that don't focus on that. But I do think that uh, A Course of Miracles has a, just a strong focus on relationship and it came through because of a relationship and, you know, everything, it's, um, and, and as soon as people started uh, getting the book, you know, 40 years ago, they started gathering together in whatever ways they could, and people are still doing it. They're still gathering together. The ways we gather have changed. There's probably not as many in-person groups as there used to be. There was once a time when there were more, but there's still a lot of in-person groups, and people gather like this, and people gather on Facebook groups. <clears throat> which sometimes can be awful. <laughs> you get some, <clears throat> I think the, the issue with the Facebook groups is, is there's, there's just a lot of people and not, they're not, you know, what, what percentage of them are actually core students is probably pretty small, but they, it, they collect in these groups. And so, you know, the percentage of people actually doing, reading the book and doing lessons is, is probably tiny actually compared to the people in the group i think as long as we we see each other as is is separate apart from christ within we're always going to have this this need to reach out and share because what's sharing doesn't even exist if we're all one you know so because we see separation we we, we are drawn to this sharing and yeah. We can resist it all we want or try and avoid it or anything like that. But it talks about in the course where you can, you can avoid it. You can resist it all you want, but it's inherent within you. And you cannot, you cannot resist it or avoid it forever. It will always come back. Because your willingness, mm -hmm. willingness, that will of God is there within you. And that's what's so neat. And I, I love that part. Yeah, I do too. There's, there's a line in the course that speaks to what y'all are talking about. If you look for yourself in yourself, you won't find yourself because that's not what you are. And to me, that, that 
is. You know, yeah, I, I tried to, I did the course and lots of other things just myself, but breaking it open in groups, then I can, you know, whether it's opening that mastermind or what, I can see what's in my mind in a relationship. Otherwise, I'm just in my head. Mm-hmm. So that my what I see this perception at here is reconfirming what's in my head. And if it's if I'm in a truth path, it's going to strengthen in me and every anybody else. If it's illusion, it's going to keep multiplying that too. But uh, that's the only place I can see what's in my mind is in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. And we were reading it today all along about. It's it's their really your your relationship is now a temple of healing. Um, yeah, it's all about it's all about that. Okay, it's time for us to close. So let's uh, let's just bring our attention, our awareness within. Let's give just some light and love to Reverend Kelly on her birthday. Woo! <laughs> uh, we're taking her out to dinner tonight at a nice restaurant in San Francisco. And even though she's not here in person with us, she's always one and joined with us. So Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us this opportunity to be together and to read these wonderful words that have that we have manifested in the world. They actually weren't written by others. That's just part of the illusion. Somehow we are giving ourselves this message through relationship with brothers and sisters who really are just aspects of ourselves as well, all aspects of the Christ. We are all one. We're all the one holy child of God, unlimited, infinite, eternal, and connected to all the light and love and peace and joy and power and energy of the universe. There is nothing outside of us, and there is nothing that we cannot do. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It was fun. Fun getting to know you all. Yeah. Thanks for coming in and joining us and, and sharing this today. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Okay, you take care, everybody. All right. Bye. <laughs> okay.